the upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. Exclusively here on the two-man power trip of wrestling podcasting empire. If you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and every single week we take a walk back down memory lane. We take a look at the WWF's new generation, and we kind of shed a little bit of light on it. Is it as good as we remember? Is it just as bad as some might say? Or is it kind of um, in the middle somewhere? Is it this kind of uh, weird, um, you know, uh, in hindsight uh, entity? Yeah, wasn't so bad, but maybe it was. Who knows? But we talk about it here every week. We give you something to look at. We give you something to go check out. And hopefully you've learned something from it. Hopefully you've gone back and uh, and looked at the new generation through a new set of spectacles, uh, perhaps. Me, I love it. I love going back and talking to whomever the guest is. Whoever we're talking about, I love looking at the the historical matches, moments, items, you know, magazines, tapes, pins, programs, all the cool things that we've seen and talked about on this journey over the last year or so uh, doing this new generation declassified. Uh, and again, no different this week, but a little different, sort of, in, in the way that I'm just going to kind of go over uh, some of the things that we've been kind of mulling around uh, in terms of episodes. Uh, I talked about this a few weeks ago, kind of planning stuff out. Uh, we never got around to really doing any house show stuff because a few other things got in the way, uh, but good things got in the way. And I love that. I don't. I love not having to stick to a certain schedule. I love being able to be kind of free floating and do uh, whatever it is we feel most comfortable uh, doing and uh, no different uh, with this week where I'm just going to kind of throw stuff at the wall and, uh, you know, see if it sticks. Um, had a guest planned for tonight, but we're going to reschedule that one. We're going to do it again. And who knows? I might have uh, somebody join us. You never know. It's kind of the uh, impossibility factor uh, with New Generation Declassified. Will we stick to uh, one model or will we kind of divert and do uh, do something special? It's kind of funny over on eyes up here with Francine, we were talking about like ugly ring attires and it's uh, one of those things where the new generation era, (laughs) this couldn't maybe have been the most ugly ring attire era because of all the different patterns and the different styles and the different things that uh, guys were wearing. Not really what I would call uh, stylish, not really what I would call the, uh, the standouts of the uh the ring uh, ring attire phase um only a few years later will we see the black t-shirt kind of take over the uh the old uh, merchandise stands but just a few years prior that merchandise looked a lot different and the style of all the wrestlers looked a lot different and that's kind of what i'll talk about today in generalities um as well as like i said preview maybe some of the other episodes uh that we've got coming on but doing that episode with francine uh, we came to realize that um, it really didn't kind of cement itself in one era, the ugly ring attire. 
it kind of broadened itself and spread it <laughs> its ugliness over you know the federation years this new generation era the attitude era the post attitude era i guess you would call it the ruthless aggression era and not even singled out to the wwe there were ecw guys there was wcw guys it was always uh kind of uh more just about the uh the time and place where things were uh were ugly and uh it seemed like the wwf was the place for things to be really freaking ugly in terms of the ring attire but it wasn't even just singled out to ring attire it was also a lot of the ugly merchandise that was out there you know the shirts that were being marketed out to uh the masses to the youths was uh very very pattern heavy very multicolored, very neon and uh, I can't really see myself walking around in that old school yellow Razor Ramon T-shirt uh, or there was a, a Bret Hart, you know, pink, black and white uh, style shirt. Can't really see uh, what they were going for. It almost looks like roadkill on uh, on some of the shirts because there's just so many like uh, shapes and patterns and images and logos and, and ink and, and shapes. And it's like... <laughs> What are we going for a shirt or are we going for a connect the dots? And that's kind of like what the Bret Hart and the Razor Ramon. And there was a, a two dudes with attitudes shirt, a diesel shirt. They all had this same, a Shawn Michaels shirt. They all had this same similar uh, style to it, but it reflected what was going on at the time in wrestling and what was going on in kind of society with the way people dressed you know there was a lot of uh, the nikes and the la gears and the adidas of the world that these things were legit like i don't know what you would call them i'm gonna ask this guy who just popped up what would you call them what would you call the style we had in the 90s would you call it uh, a blind sense of color or would you call it throwing shit against the wall and seeing what kind of came together and made a t-shirt <laughs> In the nine in the in the mid like ninety three to ninety six, I would say it was a lot of throwing shit against the wall because they wanted to see WWE wanted to see where where they were going to go after Hogan, how they could do it. There were some pushes of guys that wasn't necessarily the greatest. People weren't huge fans, like a big maple push. I don't think people were clamoring for. And uh, the merch, I mean, man, like one of the cool characters they had at that time was Razor Ramon. Everybody liked Razor. It was just a cool. <laughs> But his shirts were fucking appalling. I was just saying this before he came on. <laughs> Absolutely appalling. And I don't know of any grown man that would want to wear a diesel glove or a Shawn Michaels shirt. Like it wasn't, it wasn't wasn't good. That's why when Austin came along, there was such a crazy rush to get his shirts at NWO because it was like, oh, a, a wrestling shirt I can wear and not feel like a total, you know, weenie. So. Yeah, like a like a you know I don't know uh, a, a simpleton or some sort. It was just a lot of colors, and that's what I was saying. I did a show with Francine where we talked about ugly ring attires, and this is what kind of spawned my thoughts about the new generation era because it wasn't just kind of the ugly ring attires; it was the ugly merchandise. And I've done look, I've done a shitload of merchandise episodes, but never specified what you just said. Is was the first thing I mentioned that Razor Ramon yellow t-shirt with his face on one side and like the you know the razor blades here and it was yellow and white and it didn't fit a guy who was supposed to be the symbol of cool and and, and machismo no it was brutal and now i know a lot of people complain like not complain but it's like if you go to a wrestling show now everybody kind of looks the same a lot of them kind of look like me and you you know maybe fatter but you got your facial hair you got your baseball hat and you have your black t-shirt right 
and oh, everyone's shirts are black now. Oh no, everyone's shirts are black and white or black. And red. <laughs> That's what. Yeah, first off, it's slimming. Second off, it's, it's just I don't know. I'm a black t-shirt guy, so to me, it's always the best. It was the best shirts, you know. And like I said, Austin NWO. ECW did a lot for merch. You know, yeah. they showed the way on how to make cool, cool shirts or whatever. Remember when I know this is a WWE new generation show, but you remember when uh, Taz was designing the ECW shirts, you'd have the cartoon one for Sabu. He's pointing yeah. up. I remember wearing that to the gym when I actually went back then and it got a huge pop. I didn't know at the time that that gym was a big hub for wrestlers. Oh, okay. I, yeah, it's called Iron Sport Gym in Glen Olden. And Eventually, I got it because I looked around and saw all the autographed pictures, Kane and whatnot. So, oh, there's a wrestler spot. but uh, Or the Sandman, white shirt, colorful with a little cartoon Sandman holding the cane, blood, yeah. sweat, and tears. Like, that's something cool you could wear at 16 or 17 or 25 even, as opposed to your Razor Moan shirt or, you know, or uh, I don't know, whatever they would put after the Rockers or the Bushwhackers. You're not going to wear that and, and try to, you know, be a teenager and try to go hook up or something. It's just not going to happen. No. And I was just mentioning right before he popped on, I said it was the Razor Ramon shirt. There was a two dudes with attitude shirt with the two of them on it. There was a Brett shirt that was black. It was like black and white with the pink logo on it. But it was like pictures and shapes. And like I said, it looked like roadkill. It was just a bunch of stuff thrown together. And I'm trying to, there was a diesel one, there was an undertaker one. And it was just like, that was the style, but it's reflective of what, you know, that WWF era's ring attire looked like very colorful, you know, very nineties. And that's what I was just saying. I was talking about just before you came on, like, was it just the style at the time? Like, you know, LA gear with the light up shoes, you know, Nike with the track suits, you know, it's, yeah. it's that kind of thing. But we'll ask this guy too. In the 90s, what kind of attire did you wear, Mike Durbin? Did you wear uh, L.A. gear, light-up shoes, and uh, Nike track suits with shapes and symbols and things all over them? Like, we were talking about how wrestlers' attires and wrestling merchandise in the mid-90s was ugly as sin, but maybe it was just the style of the times. I didn't have any wrestling t-shirts back then. Was the first one you bought eventually? Uh, well, actually, I did have one. Uh, I went to a house show in 89 and i got a brutus the barber beefcake t-shirt with the red ringer around it t-shirt yeah i had one he was my guy this was my favorite guy so i had the barber pole t-shirt yeah i love that t-shirt speaking of merch and t-shirts i just want to put over protect where am i protect the business coming you from the two-man power trip very nice to remind you very nice i love this shirt it says it all kind well pretty much yes it says it all Shirts perfectly rated, if you ask me, but that's, uh, you know, that's another T-shirt for another day. So I also I didn't even introduce you, Joe. Joe Feeney also joining the, uh, the the panel here. I went from talking by myself to now having uh, two very highly respected podcast luminaries uh, joining me to just talk about a bunch of nothing. Um, and I'm just kind of sticking with this ugly ring attire and ugly merchandise. And, uh, Mike, we were talking about with these Razor Ramon shirts. They were yellow. They were gross. They just kind of stood out like a sore thumb. Didn't reflect the guy. But it wasn't just the merchandise. It was the guys themselves. Think about a guy like Bob Holly, this tough guy, you know, who would end up being a jacked-up version of Bob Holly years down the road, wearing purple singlets with white checkers in the middle or red singlets with blue trim and all this. It just, again, was it that? sports was the same way we all had those funky sports jackets and the starter jackets with your sleeve two sleeves different color the middle different color wrestling maybe could have been the least cool thing to pick up on a a fashion trend um but again 
did everybody suffer? Was it just saying, was it just limited to wrestling? <laughs> Think about the, the difference between wearing a, like a, a pink Bret Hart shirt. And then on the other side of things, you have Francine for 69, you know, like what's a teenage kid going to wear? What's a guy in his early twenties going to wear? And, and I, you know what I was thinking about that too, even though they started changing tacks a little bit in the Austin 316 shirt came out, even when that revamped heart foundation came out, they never really yeah. had a signature cool shirt. Right. And they really should have Pillman should have had some badass shirts. I don't think, I think the only good one I ever saw was his like after his dead, like the RIP Pillman shirt, you know? So well, it's funny. With, I'm sorry to interrupt with the Pillman shirt. I, I've actually talked about that with Francine and with Shane ECW would sell the cool Pillman shirts, even when Pillman was in the WWF. And I asked them why. And they just basically said, well, if it's going to make the company money, they're going to sell the t-shirt. And I guess it worked out both for everybody, but guys having shirts, Mike said back in the eighties, he got a Brutus, the barber beefcake, the red trim shirt. I know exactly the one he's talking about. You open yeah. up the merchandise catalog and the guys are modeling their shirts. You see, you know, the red rooster shirt, the bushwhacker shirt, uh, you know, even Hercules had a shirt. Everyone had a shirt, but in the nineties, it really wasn't that it, it was more, they were selling you your WWF shirt. Okay. A Brett shirt. There was a Brett shirt that was pink. What Bret Hart fans wearing an all pink shirt in 1992, 1993. Not this guy. Yeah. It's because you're a man's man. man. It's funny to think and look back at stuff like that because even I remember when I first got the WWE network and one of the, I think one of the first things I went to look up uh, Raven versus Chris Jericho, Halloween Havoc 98. And then after that, I wanted to go back and see some demolition matches. So I put demolition against whoever on and my wife comes out and she's like, who the hell is this? I was like, this is Demolition. They're the greatest tag team of all time. That's who it is. She's like, what's with that ring gear? I'm like, I don't know. They're, they're ass-kicking Demolition. She's like, yeah, they look like uh, like gay bikers or like a dominant dominant gay bikers. Like, what is that their gimmick? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Was it? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so. Mike, what was the reason you didn't want any shirts? Is it just because they were ugly? You didn't want to show it off? Well, what, what was it? The Brutus Beatcake shirt called to you. What was it about these that didn't? Well, it, it was harder to get back then. I mean, that's true know, too. You had to you had to have the catalog, and then you know you had to convince your your parents to like send a check in the mail or do yeah. whatever it took to get it. Then you'd have to wait who knows how long to get it, like eight to know? ten weeks or something yeah, ridiculous. Dude, I remember I got uh, speaking of starter jackets. I was really <laughs> into baseball in the late eighties. You know when I played back then, um, and I remember getting like the. Uh, whatever company sold the, the the team merchandise. And I remember I wanted the Oakland A's green starter jacket so bad. The satin one, mm. you know, with the yellow, with the green and yellow stripes on the wrist and everything. And oh yeah. Dude, I had to have one. And I remember finally my, my parents, they bought me or my dad bought it for me. He bought it for my birthday present and it took forever to get there. You know, like I forgot about it. And then all of a sudden one day it just showed up in the mail. It I think it's worth it, but I mean, dude, today you can have something like the next day. Yeah. I think the first, because I, I, I'm trying to think as we're discussing it, I never, even as like a young Hulkamaniac, and then like I would transfer to the Warrior, and then eventually Brett was my guy and shit like that. Uh, I never had any of their shirts now because they're terrible or they were brutal. I think the only, um, the only piece or the first piece of, piece of merchandise I ever bought was the Bret Hart sunglasses. And even them, like, what are you going to do with them? You can't wear them. You know what I mean? Like, what are you going to do with them? But I remember I had the silver. And then later I did have the pink. That was the only wrestling merch I bought. And the first thing I ever bought from the catalog, and I get a feeling I'm going to see two guys put their hands up here, was the WrestleMania box set. 
yes. WrestleMania one through 13 on VHS tapes. And I wish I still had it. Cause I bought it. I was just getting back into it. NWO was big, you know, Austin, Brett, ECW, and I was getting way into it. I also might've been bootlegging tapes, but anyway, no, no, no. we already talked about that. We already talked about our enterprise from back in the day. (laughs) Yeah. My dad was always like, Hey, why don't you get some fancy labels? I'm like, I'm trying not to get arrested. uh, (laughs) As soon as I turned 18, I stopped too, out of fear of, uh, of copyright prison but yeah so i bought that because i i had missed wrestlemania 10 to 13 basically and uh i just wanted to look back on some of the stuff so that was the first thing i bought and it actually didn't take that long i think it was like three weeks but compared to what the catalog would tell you you know and that was just before you know the cool shirts like suck it and you know whatever else started coming out val venus's shirts were very lewd i'm sure and the cops yeah so the they really turned it around finally in the, during the Attitude Era. Let me let me ask you guys if you'd buy this one. And of course, this is an audio podcast, but I just have to give these guys a visual. Would you have bought this shirt? Uh, <laughs> no. I'd be more likely to buy it now as a gag for like the 4th of July, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so we're looking at a man-made in the USA Lex Luger. I guess you would say like, uh, I don't know, rustic-looking flag with a flexing Lex in the, uh, the, the left-hand corner with the Lex Luger font down the right breast of, uh, of the shirts. Again, I don't remember seeing anybody wearing that in 1993. I kind of have a feeling I know why. Yeah. And poor Lex. I don't know why he was kind of marked to just really never make it the way they wanted him to. I don't know if it was his, his in-ring style, his WCW stink or what it was, but something was there that that fan base wasn't going to cheer him over Bret Hart. You know, it just wasn't going to happen. It reminded me later of, of Brian, uh, Brian and uh, Roman Reigns like Roman to me was Lex Luger at that time. And Brian was Bret Hart, you know, and that's the way the crowd was reacting. That's the way they reacted back in 93, 94. I got another one for you here. This one, <laughs> anybody a Shawn Michaels fan? He was supposed to be the topic tonight before I had to reschedule uh, the episode I had planned uh, his title run 1996, probably next week here on new generation declassified. No. Uh, would either one of you bought this shirt? Uh, no. And I question, <laughs> I question anyone who did. And, uh, yeah, we mentioned that at, at the beginning. Like, obviously, Sean's merch was going to be terrible. And um, at least he's, like, not to- – I mean, he is shirtless, but it's not the focus of the shirt. There's the other ones where he's shirtless, the six-packs rocking. He's got chains all across here and there. And it's, like, probably doing the pose. It's like, I can't wear this. I can't wear this anywhere. Again, another reason why fans picked Brett over Sean. Because Brett was for the man's man, you know? I, I think Sean- I've seen the shirt in uh, – what was it? Wrestling with Shadows, the Bret Hart documentary. Yeah. They interview like there'll be like a chubby, you know, white trash girl, <laughs> you know, somewhere, and she would be wearing this shirt. And in, in I think this has got to be in that movie somewhere. Is she the one that Brett was her hero and convinced her to chase her dream at typing school oh, gosh, or whatever it was? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was great. It was tremendous. That's, that's a, a great. Like, that's a great reference too. Uh, does anybody realize on this vintage T-shirt site how much this shirt is being sold for presently? I just saw it. Wow! <laughs> and it get look what it says. It's sold out for three hundred dollars. This nineteen ninety three vintage unisex all over print graphic double sided wrestling shirt of Shawn Michaels. Three hundred smackers. Now, Mike, I fancy you a a collector of things. $300 for a t-shirt. I don't care if it's a heavy metal one from the first tour of uh, Black Sabbath. You, you drop in three bills for a t-shirt? Nope. I will never buy used clothing. No. <laughs> Man, what if, if it someone, wasn't used? <laughs> if someone had a, a, a big t-shirt collection, they could probably make a mint off that. You know what I mean? But depends on if you want to sell your shirts or not. 
Yeah. You know, I think shirts like that sell now because when you go to a show now or a convention, it seems like there's a concerted effort for someone to have the fucking coolest shirt in the place. Like you want to be the guy, it, and it's not even cool anymore because I've seen some fucking dweebs wear it, but you want to be the guy with the Bruiser Brody shirt or Cactus Jack. And oh my God, it's Japanese lettering on it or something. You know what I mean? So everyone tries to have a rare or cool shirt or something these days. So that's probably why shit like that, especially new generation stuff, you'll see more and more because people want to be the guy with the Shawn Michaels shirt for $300, you know, so. Hmm. Now how about this one? I've never even seen this one. If this is true, a one, two, three kids shirt. Wow. What the hell is this? At least it was black. Were you walking around with the one, two, three kid? You, you got to be 12 years old to wear this. Maybe less. <laughs> Maybe like 10. <laughs> no, but I think I eventually had the six ball going. So that was. Well, see, but that's funny. You mentioned that because that's a shirt that in 96, when that dropped, they were smart to only sell that for a limited time. That was probably the coolest one of all the NWO shirts because it was so different, yeah. but it was literally, and they said it in the commercial, you better get it now because when it's gone, it's gone yeah. and they never sold it again. And I think that was a huge missed opportunity uh, because I think the six shirt would have sold. I hate the fact that uh, it eventually became that way and mostly still that way today, where if, Rob Van Dam comes out to the ring. He has to wear an RVD shirt. And I'm just saying as an example, or if, you know, Drew McIntyre has to wear his shirt or whatever. And I used to like it when guys would come out in regular shit. Like I remember specifically Sean Waltman, when he debuted on WWE, he had on a break on through Jim Morrison t-shirt. Yes. I was like, that's so different. Like, and yeah. it, it casts him as like, oh, he's rebellious type. Cause he's wearing a Jim Morrison shirt, you know? Or Mar Marty Jannetty came out once wearing the worst guns and roses shirt. Anyone's ever seen. Yes, he did. But it was, <laughs> but it was still like, Oh, he's wearing a cool shirt. Like he's coming from the crowd, you know. Maybe he's not under contract. I, I like seeing the guys wear real shit. Then it degenerated into Lex Luger wearing Fubu, but you can't have everything. Yikes! That's uh. But oh, you remember uh, Jenko jeans Hulk Hogan? He also uh, partook in the uh, <laughs> in the the fashion trends. Uh, the misses, if you will. But here, let me pull one of these up because this is interesting. And I don't know if anybody's going to get this. It's you, uh, you two right here. Is this the reason why people were trying to change the way shirts look? Was it because of this right here? Beavis and Butthead went to those black shirts. And that's, mm -hmm. I think, when the change kind of started. That was around 95, 96, right? When they, you saw not just these colorful things. You saw these like just regular black or white shirts with these two idiots on here. And everybody yeah. and their mother had these shirts. And then shortly thereafter, the South Park shirts would take over. You know, you'd have South Park. You'd have little South Park wrestlers on your shirt if you want. I remember seeing that all the time. There'd be little South Park Hogan, Brett, Nash, whatever. You know, yeah, I think that was a part of it because Beavis and Butthead came along, and it wasn't it wasn't dirty like South Park was eventually dirty, but it was still cool enough for teenagers. You know, it wasn't a little kids cartoon. It was for older kids, and uh, so you wanted the shirt. And uh, as far, even though I owned a farting Stimpy doll. <laughs> I don't think the Beavis and Butthead ever put out those talking dolls that farted or <laughs> or whatever, but maybe they did. I don't know. They should have. Yeah. They, didn't, they absolutely should have because, I mean, Beavis and Butthead, that's instant heat at school back in the day if you had on a, a Beavis and Butthead shirt. But you mentioned, you know, the rock and roll shirts and the heavy metal shirts and whatever. Um, do you think there was a reason why they would have stopped letting those guys wear you think free advertisements not allowed uh you know on on television that i know exactly the genetti one you're talking about it's when he returns and he hits sherry with the uh the mirror and yeah. he's wearing yeah it's it probably is the ugliest guns and roses exactly. shirt ever but you think they were like look if you're going out on tv you got to wear x instead of whatever you got on i mean i know it looks more natural but 
you know, throw this uh, old rocker shirt on or something if you're going to go out there, MJ. I mean, you would know better than us how deep the controlling well goes there, but I would assume it's exactly that. Don't don't promote nothing else unless we tell you to. Again, like Golga wearing the South Park shirt or whatever. Yeah, that's uh, true. The New Age Outlaws wore South Park Park shirts. That was to make them cool. Yeah. Um, and it's also like, no, we're we're making you merch. You must present the merch. You must show the people. You know, so that's probably what it is. I don't, I you know wear your shirt. I want them to buy your shirt. I don't want them thinking about fucking break on through the other side or whatever. I want them to think about the diesel shirt and the glove because who doesn't want that? Now the diesel shirt and the glove. Let's we'd be remiss to mention the Shawn Michaels hat and the sunglasses. Oh. <laughs> Mike, I don't know. I could see in those red heart sunglasses. Oh. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> not only would I not purchase something like that, no matter how great Shawn Michaels is, but also my son will not be wearing the heart glasses and the whatever other uh, Shawn Michaels merch looked like that they had. Probably the Playgirl picture. Now here's the Brett shirt we were talking about. <sighs> Just loud. Yeah. Doesn't yeah. fit Bret Hart. No. They wanted to get the pink in there, obviously. The pink's on his tight still, as you can see. I don't know. Make that a black shirt. And see, I still don't want a giant man on my shirt. <laughs> you know? Like, that's too much. It's overstated as hell. Talked about many times. Alundra Blaze didn't have much merchandise uh, back in this era, unfortunately. So you would have been able to wear a Medusa slash Alundra Blaze shirt, but it uh, wasn't happening in the uh, in the new generation era. You know what if- they you know what they missed on a lot? Sorry to step no, on. No, no, I no. Know no. You'll agree with this. And I always thought about it when I was a kid, too, was championship belts. Why didn't they sell the championship belts decades earlier? I'm not saying they were thinking about it already in 85, but somewhere in the 90s when the hardcores really started to, you know, they still weren't selling them. They weren't selling them until, what, uh, the ringside collectibles started selling? Or like 90s, 90, uh, 98, 99. And then, I mean... I'm not saying that could have saved anybody, but WCW selling their belts, ECW selling their belts. It could have been something, you know, everybody. I mean, I can't believe the belt collection. Some people have it's unbelievable. And you look at it and it's like, I don't really think these are going to skyrocket in value. Likely you're going to get in a pinch and have to sell them for low prices, you know, but yeah, it's, uh, I, you know, there'd be a bunch of, a bunch of the dorks carrying an ECW world title belt at the arena back in the day, if they could. And, Point. I'm pointing at one right now. And then after that, see, man, I'm even without a belt. Oh, look at the spinner belt. <laughs> Nobody has this belt. No. Wow. Jeez. <laughs> I'm beltless. I got nothing. I got uh, jerseys yeah. next to me if you want. So what's the story behind the spinner belt? Uh, the only reason I got this one. No, I, actually, my niece and nephews got me this for Christmas like three years ago. And the only reason I wanted it was because I was going to get it autographed by CM Punk. Oh, that yeah. that's perfect. That's any reason. That's the hey, there you go. Very nice. Wow, that's great. Yeah, I when hate Punk, the spinner belt. I hate, you know, I'm not a John Cena fan. Uh, so that's the only reason like I wanted this one. When when Punk found his actual belt in the garage that time and he was gonna give it away to a fan, were you tweeting at him? <laughs> give me the belt. I'll buy it. Yeah, he, he just he gave it away to Cliff Compton. So he just <laughs> he's like, oh, I'm looking around, I found some old junk in the garage, you know. Uh, Cliff Compton, uh, very uh, low-key, uh, old-school memorabilia uh, seller. He sells a lot of cool stuff on eBay every so often. Oh. A lot of LJNs. Yeah, you see a lot of old-school wrestling merchandise uh, sold by uh, uh, Mister Eighteen Fifty Nine uh, yeah. for sure. He's fun, man. He's oh, fun. he's all, yeah. He's a great storyteller, and he's not a bad person to share a, a couple of beers with either. 
I've heard a lot about them and uh, looking forward to it one day. Now, you mentioned they didn't sell belts. I got to call you out. I, I remember buying these. Oh, they, yeah. Uh, yeah, I wanted those so bad. I remember seeing those in the catalog, the soft ones. And then you get them and you feel like an asshole, though. You're like, what is this? Can't hit, I can't hit my friend with this. They're terrible. <laughs> They're terrible. And I mean, in the world title and the intercontinental title, it's the same belt with a, a brown strap and a black strap. The tag belt actually looked like the actual tag belt. But see, they, they sold these up until the Attitude Era. They just yeah. recycled these over and over until the about 1998. And then they switched them up. And then I think they took them out of circulation and they'd ended up selling them in stores. But these classic three belts were in the arenas from probably the mid '80s just to about '98. That's that's uh, a bit of credit I would give to AEW is they certainly know what to sell and what these what their fans are going to buy. They're going to buy everything, and they had belts up and raring to go as soon as they had toys out and all that. That was a smart move on their part. Now if they'll get that video game out. That's Ooh. what they really need. Is that a, is that is that a real one or a? kids one that's a real no, that's one. a real one this yeah. that's a real one you, know, you see the glistening for those listening uh mike has now pulled out the winged eagle belt now why is it called the winged eagle because there's an eagle on it with wings you know if you're if you're a hardcore wrestling fan and you're just having a random wrestling conversation with somebody and that person refers to the belt as the winged eagle or big gold or whatever then you realize you've probably met a uh a kindred spirit you know because <laughs> the only guys that really got into it would know what the belts were called i remember I made a friend at a bar once because we were just talking wrestling and he actually had been involved locally and I wasn't, I didn't know about it. And he started telling a story about Dave Heath and Tom Nash. And I was like, Oh, the black hearts. He's like, we're friends right there. <laughs> <We're> friends. That's, <laughs> <it."> <laughs> that's the way to do it. See, that's how, you know, that's what you can kind of uh, figure out who really the, uh, the retro fans are, uh, mm -hmm. those, you know, perhaps even retro uh, renegades quickly before, uh, we move away and say goodbye because this is a quick episode here. Oh, now what do we have? We have the uh, – what is this? The uh, the women's championship? Yeah, the oh, is women's it? Raw championship. Yep. Look at you, Mike, the belt collector. You're like uh, a Dave Milliken in training. I'm waiting for them, Mike, because I know uh, on K100, you're notorious for your Alexa Bliss collection, that I'm waiting for them to put the, the Lily doll out, which I will purchase and put on my desk. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. She's got an evil doll friend. That's all you need to know. No. You, don't, you don't need to know that. I'm sorry. Forget it. Okay, so this is a cool little one to finish on. So I just mentioned it before, but here's to look at it. So here's the Shawn Michaels hat. Oh, See, that's right? cool. It's autograph. That looks but awesome. That's exactly what I was going to say. Signed by Shawn Michaels, it takes on a whole new life. Wearing it in the arena could be a bad decision. You might live to, uh, you know, or, <laughs> to regret don't it. Wear, don't wear it to school either, for God's sake. But look at it autographed. It looks like it's a completely different item. Yeah, it looks cool. Yeah. And there you go. There's a classic WWF hat right there. I like that garbage WCW one under it, too. <laughs> this one right here. <laughs> you just see the crew members of WCW walking around uh, with that. But, I mean, you know, this is what it was. It's Look at it. It's purple. It's yellow. It's these ugly colors. Here, Here's an Austin one. Ugh. When would you have seen Steve Austin wear that hat? <laughs> Blue and red? What? That's a bootleggy. That's 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 BS. I had a really cool nitro hat. It was all black and it had the nitro logo with the flames on it. Let's see if you can find that one. Oh, look at Hogan one. Oh my god. I mean, look at this. Can you just you pick? And again, this is WCW, so we're not. We don't really talk about them. All right, here's one I would wear. I wear that. Eh. 
It's up. It's 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 normal. It's a normal hat. That's all you can ask for, right? Just tr- just look normal for me. <laughs> you, what about this? This Hulkamania one? <laughs> I had a, a similar one to that. It was that that painter's cap style. It was yeah. that shape, and it said Hulkasized on it. it oh, was, yeah. It was a brief kind of thing that they had Hulkasized. That was on only some of the merchandise. My my stepdad, when he and my mom started dating in like '87 or '88, he went to a house show. Him and his friends went to it, and he came back with a bunch of merchandise for me and my little brother. Uh, the Hulk's eyes hat was one. Uh, there was a leaping Lanny autograph. He got autographed uh, the first year. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah there's a few all... other things. <laughs> that's great. Now that that's true. I've seen. I just saw somebody post one the other day that wasn't signed, but the fact you had a signed one is even better. Yeah, and it had a poem on it. It was it was pretty cool. I gotta yeah. talk. I gotta talk to my buddy about if he's got this in storage. I saw he keeps a lot of his merchandise still. I gotta find that. It's a cane hat, everybody. If you can't, uh, <laughs> if you can't read between the lines, but here you go. It's just ugly. All this crap is ugly. Oh, it's all ugly. Look at the warrior one. That's new. It's yeah. a new era hat. Oh, damn it! Yeah, those are that's two. It, that's why this is. I had this one. This thing in the middle, this little like strap would move, <laughs> and it would even if you were folding the hat up, it would go behind the hat. It's ugly. Just ugly, ugly, ugly. This is where this stuff. Will, all right, we'll close on this one. I mean, boom. How about that? You know, you know how you have your hats these days, and they only have like the logo on the side there. Like I had one that just said ROH and gray, and I liked it. You know, I just like that style hat. If they would create me an Ultimate Warrior hat like this with just the logo on the side there, the little warrior, boom, I would totally buy that. Where are the uh, where where's the mer- the marketing people? Let's get them on the line. Let's do it up. Uh, guys, I appreciate you just jumping on quick. This is a transition episode. Like I mentioned earlier before you guys got on, and I kind of mentioned in the middle, we have an episode coming up talking about Shawn Michaels, 1996, with independent wrestler Mike Verna. He's talking about guys that inspired him to want to get into the business. Shawn Michaels and that run kind of at the top of the list, so we're going to dig into that. I'm going to dig into a ton of house show stuff. I, I keep putting it off. Every time I want to talk about it, I get sidetracked with another idea. Oh, also, Psycho Sid is going to be uh, featured on an upcoming episode uh, with uh, somebody's everybody's favorite Irishman is going to be coming back at his own request to talk about psycho Sid. So uh, yes, we'll be talking about Sid here in the near future uh, as well as I finally decided. And if Joe Feeney wants to come back for this, he's got an open invitation. Mick Memphis will be featured on. Yeah. On new generation declassified. I've, I've talked about it. I've rumored it. It's coming. Um, and that's it. I, I can't put it off any longer. It's probably going to be five shows, but McMemphis is coming. Mike, I know you got a, uh, a quick out. If you want to drop your plugs, please do before you got to go. Uh, check out the Mike Durban show on the Creative Control Network on all podcast platforms. And uh, on Twitter, I'm at Mike Durban, D-U-R-B-A-N-D. And please check out the show that Joe is on, I am on, Chad is on, Dean is on, everybody. Check out Get My Go, YouTube.com slash Get my go. And you can it's also on. find that in audio form on every major podcast platform. Mike, that's on hiatus, right? It's on hiatus, but uh So if anything else comes out under that, it's not it's not you know, it's not legitimate, you know. It's is that not right? Authorized. It's definitely yeah. not authorized. This is almost like an unauthorized version of the show right here. Oh yeah. A, f- a short five minute one that's gonna turn into forty five minutes or some shit. But it's nonetheless, it's a uh, an extension piece. I said retro renegades. So for the maybe, five people that got it, <laughs> maybe maybe you could get someone on to do a side get my go that refuses to do the actual show. Get my go. That would be a hit. That would be a fucking hit. 
I'm just here to talk about ugly merchandise right now. You know, that's pretty <laughs> much my main focus here on New Generation Declassified. Uh, Mr. Feeney, please, if you will, the uh, the floor is yours for anything you'd like to uh, share with the listeners of New Generation Declassified. Yeah, you can hear me every Thursday on Keep It 100 with Conan and Disco, every Monday on The Raven Effect with Raven and Rich Bikini. Uh, all the Creative Control Network shows, including Mike Durbin's show, uh, are all on Spreaker. You can check them out there. Check out Get My Go on all audio providers, as I said. And check out the Keeping It 100 YouTube. Uh, it's doing very well with there. It's a success. And uh, we just put up a Keeping It 100 TikTok as well. So there's Whoa. all kinds of shit going on. Keeping It 100 official on YouTube and uh, K100 Show, I think he has it under on TikTok. The, the, the guy JJ's. Uh, taking that over so follow everything you can for keeping it 100 with conan and uh follow me at jfini3rd that's about it you guys are so cool you have a tiktok wow i wouldn't i'm like dude i don't know what it is i don't know how to do it he kept giving me shit (laughs) we're missing out i'm like i don't think we're missing out but it's beyond me i don't know what it is i gotta get somebody to do it Kind of, kind of surprised, but hey, more power to you. Good luck with your uh, your TikTok channel. If you want to follow me, it's at Chad EMB on Instagram, on Twitter. My website is ibexclusives.com. Check out my autograph signings all over the country and what we've got going on and coming up. This website is tmptempire.com. You can check out all the podcasts under the TMPT Empire umbrella, including our association with the Russo brand, where you can find the Triple Threat podcast with not just myself, but my partner from the TMPT Empire, Mr. JP John Paz, and that guy with the three fingers, the franchise, Shane Douglas. And if you didn't think I was done with the duo of franchise and, and Francie, no, it's eyes up here. It's four shows a week on Patreon and also on the Creative Control Network. It's patreon.com com slash francine podcast you will not be disappointed if you decide to come over and join us a lot of cool content especially this week probably our best four shows that we recorded in one clip we left our ass off for two hours it was a great little uh, little time to spend giving you guys some enjoyment so we'll get out of here for new generation declassified for my two buddies here joe feeney and mike durbin this is the chadster we will catch you on the flip side Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling, What the World is Downloading.